You're listening to the One Day Advice Podcast, where your hosts, Nick Riley and Paul Henderson, are going to take you for a ride inside the world of personal finance. Together, we're going to give you a fully transparent, behind-the-scenes look into the financial services industry, helping you to optimize your financial life along the way. Today, Paul and I are going to be talking about people in their late stage of their careers, you know, nearing retirement. So, uh, more specifically, we've had you know other episodes on early career, you know, people in their twenties, thirties, uh, people in their mid career, uh, you know, around the forties. And this episode is meant to address people approaching or nearing retirement uh, in their fifties, sixties time timeline. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we kind of want to. You know, talk through you know, what are the main areas, Paul, uh, where questions come up uh, with this age group. Yeah, this age group, the conversations usually start with, "Do I have enough?" And you know, that's obviously a loaded question, and there's there are many factors that go into that. But that's that's really the one of the main things. The second one is, "What have I not thought about?" You know, this at this point, people have some idea around investments usually. But you know they're looking at retirement, and it's a, it's kind of a scary proposition. You're shutting your your paycheck off, and you want to make sure you've checked all of the boxes before you take that leap. So those are, I think, the two driving questions that bring people to a financial planner. But then you get into, well, you know, I know Medicare's out there, but what does that even mean? Um, you know, is it Medicare? Is it Medicaid? Like, what what's the difference? And th- there's a lot to unpack. And then also Social Security. Um, that's another you know a source of income and also a source of stress. So those are probably the the four main things that people come to us with as or main questions that they come to us with. Yeah, and and on top of that too just just planning around uh you know their family as well. So you know starting to get into uh and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode too of of just you know, planning uh around you know Passing on or transferring wealth to the next generation, uh, you know, you might you know, start to have some you know, grandchildren or uh, you know people that you want to help in your in your family uh, because you're at a stage in your life where you have the money to uh, start to put it to you know, good work uh, for the family and, and all things. That's a great point. Yeah, some people are you know if they have excess, they're looking at that saying, well, I'd rather I'd rather spend it now or you know in, invest in my family now when I'm around and alive, and whether that's you know, helping people start a career or buy a house or just family vacations as, and they'd prefer that to leaving some type of inheritance. And that's, that's a conversation that, you know, people it's in a way it's kind of fun in a way it's kind of sad because, you know, inheritance, um, (laughs) but those are also, you know, super important conversations to have. Definitely. Uh, And, and that's, 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 uh, that's financial planning in a nutshell is just having conversations that, that uh, you know sometimes aren't the most fun to have, but are are completely necessary. And I feel like people avoid those types of conversations because they are uncomfortable. And I, I find even more so that that people are more comfortable talking about their health uh, with with their friends and family or you know in conversation than they are about their personal finances. Uh, it's just a very intimate subject. So, yeah. uh, so on to the next. So uh, when it comes to getting organized at this stage of of their life uh, and you know looking to plan around replacing their income uh, in retirement you know what are some of the things that that 
people should be thinking about at this stage or you know what are things that we help clients at this age group yeah i would say the getting organized is really is the key point you know at, at this this time frame it seems like people's their their income typically you know far exceeds their expenses so oftentimes they just have no idea what they spend and you know that's not necess- that's not bad it's just kind of a fact of the matter money comes in some goes out and and you know things are good so we often have a conversation around you know what does income look like exactly what you know how did your bank account change each you know over the different months and you know is there usually there's a surplus if not there's another conversation to have but let's talk about those numbers specifically and then let's talk about what do you want that to look like in the future so there's there's getting organized as, as a household. And then there's kind of getting on the same page, you know, if you if it's a couple as a couple, you know, you, you end up having those conversations of, well, I had no idea that you spent this much on that. And well, I had no idea that you spent this much on golf or, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes there's, there's some good conversation that, that can come out of that. Occasionally people, you know, are fully on the same page already, but there's, there's a surprising amount of conversation around cash flow that's usually helpful to have after that, then we can get more into like, do I have enough, right? If we know what they're going to want to spend in retirement, and that includes also, you know, do you want to have more travel? Are you going to, you know, lavish gifts upon your grandkids? What, what does that retirement look like? Now you can start talking about, okay, this is how much you need. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like where that, that conversation starts. Yeah. And, and retirement just naturally tends to be uh, a top of mind item uh, for this age group. Uh, whereas, you know, early career, mid career, they're, they're focused, you know, more on, uh, you know, kind of, you know, short term uh, money goals, whether that's buying a home and, and uh, you, you funding a trip or whatever, uh, you know, people close to retirement, they're really thinking about the fact that, like what do they? What are they going to do uh, when they're no longer relying on income? And I think that the topic around retirement has, or the conversation around retirement has has evolved greatly over the last you know twenty thirty years, uh, because more and more people are you know, not fully retiring, and and that's by choice. People are wanting to pursue second careers or uh, kind of encore careers, you might call it, uh, where they've always been passionate about something. And now they're at a point where they have enough money to perhaps you know, get consistent income from. Uh, they've built assets to a point where their money is working for them and providing enough uh, income replacement that allows them to pursue areas that they've always been passionate about, but just didn't know maybe how to uh, make money doing that or uh, how to navigate that. So we find a lot of people take their skill set and find out how they can leverage their their uh, skill set as a consultant or uh, a teacher of some sort, passing on that knowledge to other generations. And with technology these days, it makes it so much easier to start that business uh, at this at this age. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And it kind of it ties in with my my favorite phrase of vocational freedom. Just you have you don't have to work. You don't, you're doing this now because either you want to or you're really passionate about a cause. And you know, I'll segue that really briefly into acknowledging that retirement's hard. And, you know, if you've if you've gone, you know, 30, 40 years working, the idea of stepping away from that is it's not easy. And, you know, often 
oftentimes people are excited about it and they do it and they're like, wait, you know, this is where I derived my, my sense of value or this, this is where my friends were. And I would say, you know, that's an important thing to kind of prepare yourself for that, you know, it's, it's not as easy as you might think it is to stop working. And so, yeah, if you have a hobby, maybe engage in that. If you, you know, I, I can think of an example of someone who, loves to sail and had a captain's license and retired and was like, what do I do with myself? And the answer for them was, you know, go teach lessons, go, you don't need the money, but you know, it's a little bit on the side. It's not bad. And it can pay for your boat. And, but that gives you something to do. And just, it's, you know, I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it, I think a lot of people have been surprised at, at how it feels to retire. It's not necessarily, um, you know, for some it's they're, they're ready to do it, but for others, it, it's a, it's a mental shift. Yeah, definitely. And, and in talking with, you know, various, various people that have, uh, you know, gone through this stage, uh, it's, it's amazing. Everyone is so different and have just having conversations around how to, uh, you know, really finding out what you want, uh, whether you simply want to travel, uh, you know, sail, uh, you know, read, read books and, uh, just spend time at home, uh, in retirement, that's totally fine. And then others want to pursue different things. So on, on the note of, you know, kind of replacing income and, you know, there's, there's, there's certain reliance on your own ability to, uh, replace that income through the assets that you've accumulated throughout your career, throughout your life. The other aspect that is, that is a, a big, uh, you know, key topic for this age group is planning around social security and Medicare. And, I, I think you know those those are those are benefits offered by the government uh, that, for the most part, you can rely on. Uh, you know, there's 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 uh, you know talks about uh, social security not being funded, but for the most part, those are things that you can uh, you can you know, incorporate into your financial plan uh, around retirement. So, you know, Paul, what are some of the areas that you wanted to highlight around social security and Medicare? Yeah, I think you know that's a good point about there. It is a, a benefit from the government that people are often stressed about. I tend to look at it as, as if you are close to Social Security, you are probably going to receive Social Security. You know that that's a block that votes, and very few people want to antagonize that that group. So uh, if you're if you're close, let's just talk about Social Security, Medicare, as it will be there. Um, the the most common thing now and for years there were there were different approaches like file and suspend and you know kind of strategies that you could take that have been rolled back uh, it's now it's pretty more much straightforward but the the biggest thing is don't necessarily plan on taking it the moment that you're eligible you know there's your, your full retirement age but then if you wait beyond that you can get to you know and basically an eight percent return for each year that you wait until age 70 so that's the, the main planning option now is if you can figure out the cash flow to get to age 70, that's that's a 8% return for the the length that you're pulling from Social Security. So that's a helpful thing to look at and to kind of to, to plan around. And then the other one is is Medicare. And that one is that topic is huge. And, you know, I, we, we don't have time to go into all the different ins and outs of, of Medicare. But I would say first one is don't delay that. You delay Social Security if you can. You don't delay Medicare because you will incur penalties, and that's not good. Uh, so you have a seven-month window around age 65. Basically, three months before your the month in which you turn 65, start looking into this. That's you know 
kudos to you if you can do that. Don't wait until the last end of your window because then you will get some delays and penalties. At, at a high level, I would just say ask questions about Medicare. You know, it's it's a great benefit. There's there's a lot there, uh, particularly in the Seattle area. You know, there's there's some good Medicare Advantage plans, um, but this is an area to ask questions if you have you, know, you just ask questions because you should have some. And there are a lot of ways to, um, I don't want to say mess it up, but kind of mess it up. Like you, it's an area that, that takes some planning. Um, yeah. You yeah, had me sorry, that's my long-winded. <laughs> I, I hate penalties. So uh, I think anyone uh, in their right mind will, will hate the sound of penalties. So uh, yeah. definitely Medicare, there, there are things that you need to be proactive on. Uh, and it is, it is definitely a great benefit. And uh, you know, make sure you're on top of that so you don't incur any penalties and miss out on some of those great benefits that the government is offering. Yeah, no, Nick, let me throw a question at you because this is one that I get a fair amount and I want to I want to hear your answer and your thoughts on it. Uh, so we've covered replacing income. We've talked about Social Security. We've talked about Medicare. What do you do with your mortgage? What to do with a mortgage? Oh, this I love comes that. up frequently, <laughs> I find. Yeah. So when it comes to so people try to complicate it's funny being a financial planner, you know, crunching the numbers and all that. Uh, happy to do so, but for the most part, uh, you know, paying on a mortgage is largely a, a, an emotional decision, and we we like to consider the sleep at night factor. Uh, we talk to people of all sorts that that we always just ask them uh, how how do you feel about uh, you know, having a certain level of debt? How do you feel about having a mortgage balance to pay off? And and be committed to. Some people are perfectly fine with it, and that's just their their level of risk that they're willing to take on. Uh, others, it affects their sleep. They they don't like owing a bank uh, you know, with it with the home that they currently reside in, and they they would feel better just having that paid down. So that's where it becomes less of a a money crunching decision because I think we would all agree that. That if you look historically, uh, you could achieve greater investment returns investing in the overall stock market than, especially in today's low interest environment, where you can get a mortgage for perhaps under three percent, uh, which is just insane. So, from <laughs> a if you're looking at a, a purely cash flow standpoint, it makes more sense to to keep that mortgage going. But this it's it's hard to put a price or put a amount or dollar amount to uh, the sleep at night factor. So that's why we, we kind of go into that. Yeah. It's, it's a question that, you know, some people have already paid off their mortgage by the time they're approaching retirement. Others are looking at it as why, why would I pay this down? Like it's basically, you know, I can, I can beat this in the market and you know, there's that that's probably true if you're under 3%, but you know, market returns vary. And so th there are some different factors that go into it but it's it's um it's been interesting to me how often that question comes up and how much importance and i think it's partly because you know it's it's on your home and you want to make sure that you have a place to live and so there's just a lot of emotional baggage in a way that that's tied to that question but it's always it's always a, it's always a fun one to get a, a sense of kind of how people how, how people view their financial life yeah exactly and and even people that that tell us like, oh, you know, we want to pay this down. We don't like having the debt. Uh, you know, we will still, in a sense, be uh, the devil's advocate in the sense of like we will point out the numbers. And if if someone 
really does need more cash on hand to provide a buffer if something were to happen uh, that could greatly impact their finances, then it might it makes sense to 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 keep on uh, holding that mortgage as well because it it allows you to have more cash on hand uh, to be able to use towards a buffer for. Uh, you know any healthcare costs, so you know healthcare is is a is a huge topic for this age group, and uh, you know can can be very costly if something comes up that was unanticipated. And I don't think anyone anticipates you know bad health uh, unless you have a, a family history of it, and you can kind of expect certain certain illnesses to to come into your life. But uh, those are all definitely things to consider when you know paying down certain debt. Yeah, and I like the healthcare comment. You know, that's definitely uh, a financial conversation, also. But in the in the realm of other things to consider, you know, in addition to the the mortgage and and social and government benefits, um, I would say take a look at your your estate plan and you know have powers of attorney and your healthcare directives in place, and not just in place, but like somewhere that people know where they where they are. Um, you know, they don't do a lot of good if they're filed away somewhere and no one can can pull them out if they're if they're necessary. So, you know, those are two areas that I would definitely say are things to consider as you're nearing retirement. Um, I, there's probably Nick, would you say some some kid related or grandkid? Yeah. Related? So a few a few more I might add just that, that come to mind. I mean, you're di- so especially in this this digital age that we're in and uh, will be in moving forward, like you have digital assets as as an individual as a household. So uh, you know, password management, being able to, like, oh, that's a good point. I, I know I use LastPass and and I have I have my my wife as a beneficiary on that, where she can gain access to uh, all of my you know passwords for you know my financial websites or whatever. Uh, just to make sure that she has access to funds uh, if if anything were to happen to me. And the same thing can go for any age group. I mean, uh, for nearing retirement and, you know, having maybe, you know, health concerns, it's so important to make sure that that your your spouse, your significant other, your children have potential access to, uh, you know, photos that you keep in your your iPhone or whatever. It's like those are those digital assets you don't want to have go lost. It's it, it, we're not at a at a stage in life where people are just printing out a bunch of photos and just have photo albums anymore. If you do that, that you know, kudos to you. I don't. Uh, <laughs> but those digital assets are definitely something to consider and making sure that if anything happens to you, that your loved ones know where those funds are located at, at what banks. Uh, and and you know just settling someone's estate uh, as a kid for their parents is it's 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 emotional already and you want to make sure that it's as easy on them as possible so they can continue to get on with their life so uh that's one one topic that definitely is 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 close to my heart uh but then also just planning around grandchildren related expenses starting to you know you can open a 529 plan for your grandchildren uh, when they're when they're really young and and get that you know, more benefit from that compounding tax free uh, and and being used towards you know, future education and you know gifting. So if you're at a point in your net worth where you're beyond that 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 exemption amount uh, that that differs you know at the state level, uh, but if you're wanting to start 
you gifting to grandkids, your kids, uh, those gifting strategies or charities, uh, you know, those are all different strategies that we can start to incorporate, you know, as a financial planner working with these types of people to really allocate your money uh, where you want it to be working uh, for people that you love, for causes that you care about. Uh, so those are other things to consider at this age. Yeah, I, I'm now thinking about my digital password system, and I think that's a great point. I, it reminds me of, you know, in the past, there's been the conversation of put your estate plan in a binder and have account statements and everything. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate with, you know, with our, the the portals that basically our clients have access to is everything's listed there. And if you come into that as a, a related party, you can see where everything is. We, as the financial planners, know where these accounts are. And that's that's really it's invaluable as far as you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to track down all these assets or all these accounts when you know that's probably the last thing on your mind if if it's a if it's a an, an estate conversation yeah definitely uh, and it kind of i guess on that in that note my my uh i can't even think of what to call it the thing that i like to bring up for people is talking about money with your family um, it's, I know it's awkward and I know that, you know, in general, as like our society doesn't like to talk about money. Um, it, it's, it's stressful. It feels weird. It feels, I don't know, a lot of different things. Um, but I would say, you know, a lot of, I've seen some healthy kind of transfers of wealth or healthy, healthy kind of end of life, uh, conversations, um, when people are, are more open and, you know, just kind of from my own experience, when you, when you're looking at you know, this grandparents or parents, it's it's helpful to know that okay they they're okay they have what they need you know for let's say grandparents maybe they have a broker they've worked with forever and we've talked about you know brokers don't have fiduciary responsibilities that doesn't mean that they're all you know they're not good but it's nice to know as a family member that okay my elderly family members are taken care of and the person is doing good work by them and you know that's that's something that you can only know if you've been able to sit down and talk to them and, you know, look at statements and kind of have those conversations. Um, some more in, you know, you don't want to have someone sitting there thinking, Oh, my parents are going to leave me millions of dollars so I can just, you know, run wild. You know, maybe there's a conversation to have there of like, no, we actually expect you to work a little bit and we are going to leave you some, but you know, there's maybe some strings on that, or maybe there's some incentives to go to college or, work for a certain number of years before you get access to this. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, ways that you can structure a really healthy transfer of, of assets. Uh, and then there's ways that you can make it more complicated. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, I think just ha that having that open dialogue and, and uh, you know, chances are you, you kind of understand how, how uh, you know, financially, savvy your your kids might be at this stage too and you know there's a lot of nuances to to being able to help your kids uh at, at a stage of their life where they could use some of the money uh, if they are financially responsible but don't have the savings to to buy the home that they really need to raise their family in the right neighborhood with the right school system you know being able to provide uh you know help for a down payment in a home you know your kids might be uh, you're nervous to ask for that. You know, it's no fun asking for money, uh, but being proactive as a parent, being able to, to offer your kids, hey, 
and we want if you know, if there's an opportunity for you, we want to be able to help out. And that's the beauty of being at this stage in your life nearing retirement where uh, you are able to allocate your financial resources to a good cause uh, to help your family you know, really uh, get off the right track. So I think these are all topics that we could really unpack uh, in, in, in future episodes again. I think that's just going to be an ongoing conversation with Paul, Paul and myself. I think we're going to close every, every conversation I'm, with, yeah. well, there's a lot here that we'll continue with. Yeah, we've got, we've got content for days, so uh, days and years. So we, we look forward to sharing all this too. And, and I think that's a wrap for this episode. And, and you know, thanks for listening. And, and uh, we look forward to continually producing more content for you guys. As always, uh, we're, we're open for any feedback on, on content ideas that you'd love to hear about. Uh, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for our listeners. And, uh, and we always want to lead with education. So we think education and empowerment is, is crucial uh, to living a more fulfilling life. Uh, because finances intertwine with so many aspects of our life. So uh, hopefully this is valuable to you and, and we'll talk soon. Hi, I'm Nick Riley, the founder of One Day Advice. If you like what you've heard, we'd greatly appreciate your help in spreading the word. After all, we are financial educators, not marketers. Thanks for listening and remember to leave us a review. Nick Riley is the founder of One Day Advice, an independent registered investment advisor. Paul Henderson is the director of financial planning at One Day Advice. Both Nick and Paul service wealth advisors to their clients. All opinions expressed by Nick, Paul, and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of One Day Advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment or financial decisions.